All right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Re-Education Experience podcast with me, your host, Darren Langill. Today, I wanted to bring on another guest. Last time we brought on a guest, it was incredible. We had lots of feedback, and I know a lot of agents took a lot away from hearing about somebody else in the business doing something so it doesn't feel like theory. It feels more real. And today, I wanted to go inside the walls again for those at the Redline office. And uh, our guest today, I almost is basically would say it's this zero to hero story that I wanted to unpack. And he's way too humble to ever go through that uh, and to mention that. But the reality is he's doing stuff in this business and getting re great results early in his career and has already started to make a lot of major pivots to being one of the top performers. So in the three years or so in this business, and Brad can probably introduce me the total length of time because I didn't have that, but basically going from nothing to top 3% in this business in three years-ish, which is a, a rocket ship for those of you know, um, it's very impressive. A few other things um, of our guests is in, our first, in his first year, he was rookie of the year at our brokerage. And that was a very competitive year too, which was really neat to see. Then he started to break, um, you know, break into the award levels at the office. And this year we haven't quite released them yet. So he doesn't know where he's landed. And I'm sure he's, he's kind of chomping at the bit because we always <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, again, I'll tell you in the top 3% of this industry, which is uh, an incredible feat. So today's guest is not only than Bradley Walker. I don't know if you go by, if you ever love going by Bradley, but uh, I figured this is as formal as it's going to get because I always call you Brad. But um, welcome to the show, Mr. Brad Walker. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having me on here. I'm looking forward to, to chatting a little bit about things. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me, I mean, you've got uh, two kiddos, beautiful wife. Uh, give, me, give me a little breakdown of like your, your family situation. Sure. Yeah. So I have a, a wife who've been married for eight years uh, and we have three kids now, uh, two, four and six. <laughs> yeah, close, close, but we keep adding more. So uh, three kids, two, four and six. So it's a, a busy house, a lot of fun. Hard to keep up with all of you guys and all the kids bumping <laughs> out around Redline, hey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And you've just, again, attempted this homeschool thing we were just talking about. So, I mean, you and your wife are figuring out how to do that amongst this pandemic life? Yeah, so that's been fun to try to figure out, try to start tag teaming on some some schoolwork with our oldest and, and start figuring that out. Amazing. So how long exactly now have you been in the business? When you get your license? Am, am I right? It's about three and a bit years. Is that right? Yeah, so it'd be just over three years. It would have been January. I think I got my license in December 2017. And then January 2018 was when I started. Cool. So it's like three years to 3%. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> New tagline, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So three years in this journey. Now you started in this business a little differently than most, uh, even me, even myself and Brett, where we kind of limped our way into the business. Um, when you jumped into this, I remember you chatting and you said, I'm in, I've left my job. I'm going all in 100%. Tell me about that. I mean, that, that took some courage. Yeah, so that was uh, that was a decision that my wife and I made together on the best way to go about things. 
And we ended up deciding that just the, the, the person that I was and the style of person that I am, the, the only way to really make it work was going to be to jump in, uh, not give ourselves any other option. Because uh, I knew if I, if I was doing it on the side as kind of a side hustle, I wouldn't really need to make the money. So I probably wouldn't push too hard. So for, for me, the way I am, I just had to jump on in and, and, you know, then you don't have a choice. You have to make it happen. Totally. And you don't, you don't have a family in the business. You know, you didn't have a lot of probably friends that had kind of gone through this yet. So you were going in a bit dark. Is that right? Yeah. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any family in the business or anything like that. I had done some uh, investing beforehand and that's kind of what brought me into the, the agent side of things. Um, but that's about it. Amazing. I mean, that's a, that's a question I get often when, uh, I mean, I get the honor to have all these discovery chats with a lot of would-be new agents joining the industry. A lot of people considering getting into the industry. I get a lot of those phone calls with my role. And then of course, agents that are inquiring from other brokerages. And I mean, a lot of the time it's juggling two things, right? It's like, I, I mean, I want to do this, but I have, I have this, I need my income. Um, of course. So you, I mean, you banked up a little bit before jumping into the business. Is that fair? Did you have any kind of nest egg built or did you just like expect to turn some dollars quickly? So we had, we had a small amount. Um, and I know they, they usually say have quite a bit, you know, you want at least a few months. I think we had, when I quit my job, we had about 15,000 in our savings account, which was about enough for two and a half, three months worth of life. Wow. <laughs> We didn't have a whole lot, but again, it came kind of down to, you don't really have a choice. And and those first few months we were, you know, my wife was, was couponing at the grocery store and, and we brought our expenses down pretty good for the first little while. Totally. I mean, so yeah. once the pandemic hit, you were, you were in lean mode already, right? You were, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you were prepared. Yeah. I went through yeah. a situation like that too, where, I mean, my paychecks got lean and I forced myself to cut down super low. And it's actually the best thing that ever happened to our family because we, we readjusted, I call it the burn rate and that freedom that allows, but for you, it was of course a freedom for maybe one extra month before it was <laughs> dipping into some some uh some debt so good yeah. on you for that yeah um any early lessons that kind of hit you pretty quickly about this business that you that that you kind of that you learned fast about what it takes to be successful because you didn't have a plan b yeah so yeah there's no plan b the one of the lessons was kind of uh, related to that was that when you get into the business it's exciting because you're not trading time for money anymore but then a lesson from that that I learned pretty quickly was that oh shoot we're not trading time for money anymore I put time into this but I'm not getting any money out for the first little bit so that was that was one of the lessons right off the bat that uh, you know is one of the major reasons a lot of people get into it and one of the major reasons uh, I got into it uh, but the, the flip side of that was the the not having the security of of that money for time so that was probably the the earliest lesson was, you know, okay, I need to get some results now, not just spend time on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like show up at a job, go through the hours, punch the clock and <clears> it's just, um, miraculously a paycheck comes in the mail. Right. Yeah. Well, that's just, and, and, and I guess another one would just be to learn, learn to deal with the reality of, of no sales, whether that's at the beginning and, and you're new and you don't have any sales yet, or you just have a, a patch of, 
you know, you haven't sold anything in a little while. Because um, when I started, I didn't, I didn't uh, get, I didn't have a check for about five months when I first started. Um, closed a couple of deals four months in, and then uh, and then saw that payment uh, five months in. So it was, it was quite a few months without a paycheck. So it was learning to mentally and physically deal with uh, with that type of situation. Totally. And you probably would have noticed a bit of that too. So there was, a, it's almost like that mini panic in a sense. And, but, but almost you have to be, you have to be level headed enough to keep doing what you got to do. Right. And, yeah. and then now in your business, of course, you've had incredible months and you have these expectation levels of income probably now. And then, but sometimes it doesn't go perfectly linear, right? It changes, it goes ups and downs and you have those same mini panic modes and, but you got to stay the course. Is that you find you continue to have like versions of that as you grow through this? Yeah. Oh, every, all the time. Like I know, I know where we're at now and my wife can probably tell you if I don't have a sale for, you know, a couple of weeks now, or I don't have anything conditionally sold, I start freaking out and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we're, we're okay. <laughs> I, I, I know that my wife could tell, I wouldn't even have to tell her and she would know because I was acting differently. If I didn't have something pending or a couple things going, it's yeah. funny what happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. So walk us through a little bit of year one. So you gave us a little bit of the insight. Um, year one, it took you five minutes to get paid on that first deal that was closing and we cut you the commission check. Of course, you, you put a few pen to paper, but not all paid. How did the first year end up? Um, where did you end up from a, a total deals done? I can't remember. So that first year, so yeah, five months from starting to first getting paid, but ended up the year with 16 sales. Um, and I think it was something like, I can't remember the, the GCI on it, but 16 sales was the first year um, once we got to the end of it. Amazing. I mean, and why do you think that work out 16 sales is already inside the top 15% of, of, of earners, right? It means you climb that ladder fast. Um, any disciplines that you found in year one that really attributed to that success where there's still people in this business 10 years in five years, years that struggle to hit that and, and, and don't even consider themselves able to do mentally. Right. Yeah. The, the biggest thing for year one for me, was follow-up that was kind of my the one thing that I did super consistently that first year um, you know you, you get leads through various avenues pay-per-click or, or social media or, um, but the biggest thing was getting them in a CRM and just consistently following up and that's I think why towards the latter half of the year the the sales started to come in gotcha I mean, so the follow-up, I mean, walk us through that. I mean, was it, did you have incredible scripting dialed in? Did you have this just like insane plan or, I mean, walk us through what, or was it just literally being present, making enough touches? Because I know a lot of agents, again, even on a follow-up standpoint, they'll be like, I need to be told the entire roadmap to follow. But I mean, I know we did some coaching early on. Um, you had other people surrounding you in that year one as well. Um, but you took some action. So maybe walk me through a bit, like how, how detailed was that follow-up? How, how, how sophisticated was it? So the, the actual follow-up itself was not very sophisticated. The, the system that we follow to do it was a bit more sophisticated. So the actual reach outs, whether it's a call, text, email, um, 
I never was a really fan of using scripts because I felt like they just made it sound like too much of a too too robotic. Um, so that part was pretty pretty relaxed, and it was just a matter of getting on the phone with people, see what they need, and see if you can have a conversation with people. Um, the system behind it was a bit more sophisticated, meaning that we had the the drips set up on any lead that came in, so that none really fell through the cracks. You know, you get those drips set up, so your system's telling you who you need to call, who you need to text, and when you need to do it, um, so that you don't end up missing any of those opportunities. So that was that was the, the biggest thing. And then actually doing the follow-up was just, just a matter of dialing the number. For sure. And I mean, I think I love that you said that is um, personal connections. It's just finding ways to support a real estate conversation. And many of us overthink that, that there needs to be a hook, a line, a sinker, something to get them to bite, but it's more or less the closer you can get to that personal connection, but with frequency, right? With consistency is what yeah. got you there um, and gets people to trust you, right? You were new to the business. You're, 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 I mean, you're a lot younger than most of the average agents, right? The average agent is still over 50 in North America. Um, yep. So of yep. course, a lot of us think there's these like, <clears throat> these reasons people don't want to work with me, but yet you had it, you proved completely otherwise. Um, I love the fact that you said, again, a sophistication, a CRM, a buying into that, Again, in my experience, talking with many experienced agents um, that, that look for improvements in their business, and it, I, I noticed that that gap to just fully commit to that place, fully commit to making those tasks, to set up that follow-up reminder. We almost have this ego belief that I'm going to remember it all, right? I mean, I, if, if you ask my wife, I remember nothing. So... Um, <laughs> It's, uh, I think, get over that and get into a system. Um, I love that. Any other commentary on that? Um, no, I, but that's just so true. Like, you, you have to have the CRM. If, if I didn't have that, there'd be no way that you could follow up with the amount of people that you have to follow up with or, you know, remember what their kids' names are, remember little tidbits about them that you can kind of surprise them with. You just would never know. Like, I know, you know, I'll get phone calls. And I'll have to just search it up in my database first to make sure if someone's in there, then I know who I'm talking to. But if I, if they weren't in there, I'd answer the phone and not have any idea who it is and, and end up looking like a schmuck. So. Absolutely. No, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that, that daily discipline. Love. Walk me through the day in the life. Like what was, what was the day in the life uh, that you kind of had to go through back in those days when we started? Yeah. So day in the life year one. So, I remember what that first year looked like now it was it was honestly just a lot of follow-up <laughs> like just a lot of follow-up like I would so I you know and and some other people know that I get up quite early in the morning um so that started year one uh, that started when I was getting my real estate license but so I'd get up early in the morning and start to work through some of the the daily work that I needed to do and then during the day it was uh, following up during those business hours and for one, that's, that's pretty much what it was. Totally. I mean, and you did that because again, you have family, you have commitments, you wanted to be present and you found a time because you kind of guarded and protected that follow-up. I mean, uh, versus waiting for the phone to ring, right? Is that fair to say? And then you still do that today in a, probably a different version, but probably some similar, some similarities. Is that fair? 
Yep, for sure. I mean, the, the early morning is still there. The, the follow-up in this last year has fallen off a bit just because I got, I got pretty busy and, and things kind of fell through the crack. So 2021, I'm going to get back on track with that type of stuff. But What was the sources of business that created those 16 deals, if you can think of, in year one? I mean, I'd love to just hear it. Yeah, so year one of the 16, so nine of them were Google pay-per-click. Um, so that was definitely the biggest source. And then the rest were kind of a combination of sphere, uh, referral. Um, I think there was a couple sign calls in there. So the rest were pretty mixed up, but definitely the, the large majority was the Google pay-per-click ads. Gotcha. I mean, that's great too. I mean, that's an impressive, <clears throat> that shows the strength of your follow-up because you and I know the industry average for an online lead is quite long. It's over 12 months from like, in, from contact record to closing. Uh, we know the conversion rates are low, but we also know the timeline to convert is long. So the mm -hmm. fact that you were able to not only grab it in year one and convert it to close deal um, is an impressive figure and just shows the power of intentional follow-up. And you didn't have a lot of other things to do, right? You were, you were, you were investing in those leads you went all into them and guess what? The conversion rating went a little higher than I think our average would, would show. And I don't know if you ever did those calculations to show what that conversion rating was. I did. I can't remember what exactly it was. I want to say that first year was something, something along the lines of 3% or, or something like that. So I know that for, for the Google ad stuff, they are a longer and on average, I averaged just over a year from lead in, a closed sale um, but I started the Google ads in December 2017 so I started the ads before I was really uh, full-time into it I just I just got them going so some of those leads that I brought in in December ended up closing the following fall so they were th within that first year still but they were you know nine ten months still as well and I love that you know this it's so rare yeah. to find a, a junior agent uh, in the business that understands the power of the metrics and understands that awareness. I know you and I, I think somewhere either from year one to year two or from year two to year three, you started to high, even have more aha moments around just the tracking and the measuring uh, and what that did for your business. And before yeah. I go yeah. there, how did you get into, how, did you have any hurdles with your, your database and your sphere about a new agent in the business and like competing against a bunch of, if experienced agents, like, tell me about how you overcame any of that, if there was anything to overcome. Uh, I don't think within my sphere, really. Um, the sphere wasn't a huge part of my business off the bat, as, as I don't think you can really expect it to be. You know, if you're thinking of your, your sphere that you have before you're an agent, and then all of a sudden you are an agent, a lot of them, I think, would be skeptical of, okay, he's brand new. Maybe I don't want the brand new guy representing me. So I didn't, I didn't deal with that a lot with sphere, but I definitely dealt with it a bit with, with other leads, you know, Google leads, things like that. You sit down and meet with them and they ask you how long you've been in the business for. And you tell them three months. And uh, usually, usually that's not a positive that people see that. But um, the way that I spun it that first year was just that being three months into it, being full-time into it, uh, at the end of the day, I need to grow my business. So I need to serve my clients the absolute best that I can uh, versus the agent who's been in it for a decade, who's comfortable and doesn't need every piece of business. 
they might get stagnant. So that's, that's kind of the way I sold it that first year. Uh, and it seemed to seem to get me through the first little bit anyway. Nice. Yeah. We don't win it. We never, none of us win them all, even like, you know, 15 years in this business or top selling agent is still missing. Uh, so people pick others for, for reasons unknown to us. And, and it's just, sometimes it's a, a better, it's a gut feel. So I love that. I mean, you, you charged at it and you didn't hit the, hide the fact either. I remember because I mean, yeah. it was like be genuine, being honest. And a lot of that got you through. And I know we have another other examples at our brokerage with, I mean, a lot of the stories that people share about them not, uh, not feeling like that's a crutch. Right. Yeah. And I think that's with a lot of things that, that you can feel like are a crutch. If you, there's always a way to look at it to where it's an advantage, whether that's a new agent, old, old agent, you know, individual agent, team agent, any of those things, there's a way you can swing it to, to show how your, your side of the equation is the advantage. Totally. Love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Year two, what started to change? So year two, uh, how did you finish up uh, total ends in year two? Do you remember that number? Yeah. So total ends year two was 23 sales. Um, and that was the first year I want to say, I can't remember. I don't know, remember the exact number, but it was pretty heavy on the buyer side year one. Uh, year two, it started to get a bit more even. I think it was about 60% buyer, 40% listings. Um, 23 sales that year is what I ended up with. Yeah. Now that would have put you, I don't remember the, the stats off the top of my head. Do you remember what percentage you were there? I, I know I told you. Top seven, top seven and a half percent. Yeah. See, there you go. All right. Two years in top seven and a half. I mean, again, incredible. Right. Two, two deals a month pace. Uh, pays very well, right? I mean, that's a healthy living, right? That's a, that's a corporate earnings living on a completely different quality of life, right? I love it. Any changes yeah. that took place in your business? Did you change up the lead sources that year? Was it more of the same? And then um, may even, even like your daily habits or things that you, uh, you were embracing? So year two was pretty similar to year one. Uh, Google ads was still the biggest source because I had a lot of those still from, from the first year that were now converting in the second year. Uh, so Google Ads was still the, the biggest source of business. And then other sources that started to follow were uh, Facebook was starting to, starting to creep up a little bit, uh, and then some more referrals. But in terms of how I conducted things in year two is very similar to year one. Just I get up early, do my office work in the morning, and then make sure I got the follow-up in uh, sometime during the business hours. How did you not get distracted with, I mean, you know, in this business, there's about a trillion ways to attempt to make money. There's not a lot of ways that you, I mean, there's, there's maybe a much smaller group of ways to make money, but there's a lot of ways agents try, right? And of course, agents are very social media focused. A lot of us are out there and you kind of like, you can't help but look around and see, okay, oh, I should be doing that, or I should be doing that. How did you stay disciplined and in year two kind of have that gut check to say, I'm gonna keep going down this path? Yeah, I think, well, I think it was, you know, once you're into year two and you found something in year one that worked pretty good, um, I think that made it easier to stay the course because I'd see, I, I saw that it was working and it was continually working. Um, so that definitely helped stay the course. And if something's working, you know, why, why change it? So you tweak it here and there, but don't need to do a full out, uh, full out change for sure. 
Yeah, I, I love that you stayed that course because again, so many people from a business planning perspective, and I, I try to temper that, right? You know, I, you, I say that a lot out to the, to the agents and I speak to a lot of people. They feel like the new change, the change has to be monumental rather than a tweak towards we used in this, this just last week mastery versus just innovating because the energy it took you to go from zero to that first deal paying five months in and the lessons learned that you and you had to take on that length of time and anything else we do starting that again every year with a whole new cycle of like learning and execution that would that would break a man right that would break a woman to the amount of energy that needs to go into that if you had to do that all the time right yeah and i guess i should say year two so facebook was starting to get more prominent in terms of deals deals completed um i had started doing more facebook stuff in in my first year mm-hmm. but didn't didn't see any results for on that stuff for had to been a year or so before before anything came of that and this was stuff like nothing nothing crazy on the facebook side of things you know this is things like just uh advertising new listings and uh doing market reports and stuff and you know boosting those out to my city things like that and then the the key part of those is putting the ads out hasn't doesn't really get you really much anything um but what i did was followed up with every single engagement on those ads. So whether someone commented, liked it, I'd be sure to send them a message, see how I can help. Um, If they liked a marker report that they saw a marker report ad, then I'd message them, see if they wanted my emailed monthly marker report. Uh, And then that way you just start to get more contact information, more people in the database. And then it, it kind of builds from there. So the Facebook side of things was I was starting to do it more and more in year two. And that's when it started to started to actually see some closed deals from it. I think if I break that down, if I hear you right, it's like, I mean, the ability to take a, to create a contact today or a lead is, I mean, it's, it's simple, right? I mean, you, you self-taught it, but I mean, you go on YouTube and you could find 4,000 of these videos, how to shoot one. You could be running ads tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and feeling good, but, the money isn't in that just the fact that the lead landed right and you look like you you were starting to play this game which i speak about which is this idea of rewarding and taking action on the behaviors people are doing right so that behavior Mm -hmm. of the like the behavior of the comment the behavior of signing on and then you're taking it further right it's i mean a lot of people believe that it's like that one touch is good but you're taking that it's almost like if somebody liked my instagram post and they never reward that by sending a DM or never reward that by requesting something or anybody that comments. And it even gets more powerful when you cross-platform it, right? So somebody you connect with on DM on Facebook who wants your market report, you go find them on LinkedIn and you'll friend them there and they're like, oh, wow, right? I mean, the cross-channel is like the, almost like the fuel to that relationship that you built from thin air. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And then year three. So year three, how did that change? So where did you finish up this year? And then walk me through this, the base, the, 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 the percentage of business and uh, how that's shifted. Yeah. So that shifted year three. Um, so year three ended up with 36 transactions. Um, 
And in terms of number of transactions, referrals actually became the biggest source. Wow. Uh, and then next to that was Facebook and then Google was, was now third. Um, so I definitely saw a shift there uh, this last year, which has kind of shifted my business plan in terms of where I want to take things, seeing that referrals had jumped Facebook and Google in this third year. Amazing. And I mean, so at this point, I mean, you've done 23, so you've done 40 ends, 39 ends in two years. Were these referrals coming in from just those folks that did business with you? Or was it just in general, you were getting referrals? Walk me through that. It was pretty even from referrals from just fear, people I knew that have never done business with me, uh, from past clients, and also from other leads. So mm -hmm. I found that if, you know, some leads, if you're serving them properly or the way that they need to be served in that time, then you will have uh, referrals from, from those leads as well. And why do you think that started to happen? So it was, I mean, it makes sense that it's just the ability that they trusted you, you built that follow-up and you built that in. Um, but then as people refer you, I mean, that's someone who refers somebody, they're, they're basically saying, I endorse you, right? And these people hadn't yeah. uh, worked with you before, a lot of them, but they just felt that you're the guy. I mean, how did you, do you think, from a macro standpoint, touch these so many people, give them the confidence from afar. Can you, I mean, can you give me a little bit of your sphere database plan and the follow-up layers to that? Yeah, so a lot of the people, so for example, those Facebook ads that I reach out and just connect with people over Facebook Messenger, a lot of those people aren't looking to buy or sell, mm -hmm. uh, but they might own a home. So then I might suggest the monthly marker report. Uh, or an evaluation or different things like that. So it, it's been a matter of figuring out what someone would appreciate at the moment, even if they're five years out from buying or selling, how can you be useful right now and give them some information uh, right in this moment to, to where they, they remember you and then they think, okay, yeah, Brad was, Brad was good. He gave me the information I needed so I can go and refer him. A lot of people don't ask. Right. And you had no fear to, to just, you know, okay, you're not looking to buy a house, but would you like this? And, and, and I find a lot of agents pause there, right. They feel kind of slimy, but yet, I mean, it seems just secondary to you. And of course me and just people that have been doing this, why do you think people just don't ask? I think it could be partly out of just out of hesitation of being that, that slimy salesy agent. Um, that's probably a big reason why, but as long as you're offering something that's not uh, going to cost them money, it's not going to take a bunch of time out of their day or any of those things, if you're just offering something to them, uh, then, then there's no, no issues there. It's kind of like Gary V's a uh, jab, 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 right hook right? You jab with, uh, you know, a free evaluation or you jab with a monthly market report or, but you're not asking for anything. Totally. You're just seeing, you're just seeing what they need. Yeah. I mean, agents, agents that do well, just get comfortable in that space and they just get really comfortable in that, that value that we're offering is truly <laughs> wanted. Right. I mean, I, I say this so often, it's just like, if I'm a homeowner and I'm, yeah, I'm addicted to real estate, like you were in real and we're realtors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But everybody else has a lot of money tied up in their properties, right? So yeah. everybody, whether they're like seeking it out, would want to know 
what that house down the street sold for because that matters yeah. to me whether i'm telling you it does or not it does matter to me right you have to be virtually um, i mean no matter what economic situation you're in yeah. ultra rich or ultra poor that's important right i mean and, and sometimes we just don't say it enough love it what, are, what kind of struggles did you have? What were some of the struggles along the way that uh, that uh, people may not see? Because they see, oh man, Brad's crushing it. 36 ends, three years in, top 3%. Oh, I wish I could do that. But they don't realize the struggles you've got had to go through are very similar to theirs too. And I'd love to hear. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of struggles, I know one thing when I started, I, I struggled a bit mentally with, in my mind, I had this, uh, this perception that the entire public hated realtors mm -hmm. and that uh, people just disliked realtors for, for all the reasons that you could. Um, so I, from the start, I kind of had that, that mindset. So I kind of always felt like I had to, to tiptoe uh, around people and things like that. And so that was definitely one of my struggles that I had to overcome. And, I, and I'm still overcoming that one, I think. Um, but once you do a few deals, you realize that that people appreciate what we do. They really do, especially if you know what you're doing. And if you're serving your clients well, then people have a real appreciation for, for what we do as realtors. And of course, there's going to be lots of people that don't. Um, but that's that's one thing mentally that I had to overcome and I'm still overcoming. Um, and other struggles, you know, it's it's a lot of mental stuff, really, like the the you know doing the follow-up and stuff like that I didn't struggle too much with uh up until this last year where I, I fell behind on some of that stuff but um another mental struggle that I had was when you're when you're dealing with online leads you're going to have a lot that don't end up using you to buy or sell their house and whether that's you didn't call them at the exact right minute or for whatever reason they're going somewhere else another mental struggle that I had to be okay with and had to get okay with early on was making a phone call and having them tell me that they just bought a house or that they just listed their house. And that was really hard at the start because it was yeah. like, why, you know, why, why, why wasn't I there? Why didn't I call as many times as I should have so that they ended up using me? Um, so that was one of the things I struggled with as, as well was just, um, mentally getting over that but at the end of the day there's you know in our board over 5,000 agents and however many thousands of homeowners obviously you're not going to get them all um, it's just a matter of understanding that but going after everyone the best that you can totally I mean like oftentimes you would make that call to that lead <clears throat> and you if you look back through your follow-up it was legit right like there was a lot yeah. of it and there was notes and you knew what their kid's name was but yet they didn't yeah. pick you <laughs> And it's easy. And I've had these where agents just want to throw up their hands and be like, I'm done with online leads, right? I'm done. I'm over it. And, and that's it because you're like, frick. Or, I mean, I also find this happens too when agents get a little bit too bent out of shape um, on a specific deal, unless it's like your best friend or unless it's like your cousin that, you, you know, didn't use you. It's usually because they don't have another, enough other things in the hopper. Right? right. If they weren't filling yeah. the funnel enough, they had already counted their eggs before the chicken hatched. You know what I mean? Laid them. And yeah. they need yeah. to more of what you focus heavily on, which is that front end piece and, and fill in the funnel. And it's the worst thing agents want to hear is that 
yeah, you, this one hurts more because you don't have enough coming in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely, that was one of the struggles and I've, that's kind of come back towards the end part of 2020 because I did fall behind on my follow-up. Hmm. So now as I catch back up, uh, I've had a lot more of that of people saying, Oh yeah, we bought or we sold. Um, so I've had a lot of that lately. So it's kind of relearning that, that mentality of, you know, it's, you know, this, this time around, it's my fault because I didn't do enough follow-up the, in that first year. It was hard because I did it, but uh, they went somewhere else. But so that's a, a learning lesson for me for this past year is, you know, you get busy and that's good, but you can't forget about the, the essentials that, that brought you there. How important is the personal brand? Cause you've done a really good job of that. Um, you know, our, our, um, our brokerage has a few brand standards, but it's mostly around outdoor signage, everything else you guys get to do what you want. And, you know, we align our little brand with you guys to go off and play and go in and get creative. But of course, as you're building it, your name matters, right? And you're in a, you're in a location where a lot of people know our, our general brand and you're still crushing it um, and getting out there. So, I mean, how have you done from a personal branding standpoint and any, any things you'd suggest agents kind of put into their playbook? Yeah, so from a personal branding standpoint, I don't know if I've, like, I feel like I haven't done a ton of personal branding. Um, from a perspective that I would think of personal branding, like a, a social media or a, a side of things like that, um, the way that I think personal branding has helped me is actually being personable on on things like social so I haven't necessarily built a big following online um, but the following that I have I try to engage with uh, and be more personable uh, so I think that's that's where the personal branding for me has kind of taken a track to um, but personal branding is not it's not really something I, I think about all that often because it's not uh, in in the kind of the, the way that most people see personal branding, um, I haven't done a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, there is a perception of what personal branding is. It's like this big influencer, this big like figure that everybody knows. And it's like, I wanna know him and he's the connector. But I love the spin that you've taken on it is because, I mean, we know as realtors, it's your name is what's gonna resonate. That's the easiest thing to pass along from friends to friends. And when mm -hmm. people like and trust you, right? Cause you're showing a true authentic self and uh, I love that that's the role you've used for social media, right? It's just to let them into your world. And I know a lot of agents struggle between real estate pages and personal pages, or do I blend them? And what's your take on that? So I have a Instagram page and then I have a business page and a personal Facebook. Um, for Instagram, well, that's for, for Facebook, actually, so my business page is pretty, uh, it's not too exciting. I post my listings and some sales and I post my market reports, things like that. Uh, I use it mostly to boost ads out for, for those things and, and then in turn reach out and engage with, with those engagements. Um, my personal Facebook page, I don't add anybody on there as friends who's not actually a friend. So um I'm not adding any leads on there as friends. Uh, I'll add past clients, but that's uh, past clients and, and other sphere. Um, but it, it does end up being a place where I do message people because if they've uh, 
if they've engaged with one of my other posts, then it'll be messaging them from my, my personal Facebook. Um, but the, the, for the personal Facebook, I think it's just a, a great way to stay in front of your actual sphere. Um, I don't really want to clog that up with a, you know, 5,000 people who I don't really know. Um, so I keep my friends and family and, and past clients in there and it's a good way to stay in front of them and stay engaged with them. And then Instagram, honestly, I'm still figuring Instagram out. I, it's, it, I used to be on Instagram quite a bit and then I was not so much and, uh, you know, I still post there, but, uh, it's certainly not something that I'd say I'm an expert at, um, I mean, I love that you've got that as a curated, uh, it's almost like the, the people that do email marketing very well, and they actually crave when they get those opt-outs because they know they're finding the people that want to listen to them and that everything, like right. even your email providers love it when your open rates are higher because they're going to allow more emails to go through. And I mean, yeah. in your case, you've curated your social place as, as, as your tribe and you don't need a huge tribe in this business to really do well off by, by them and service them well and earn a reasonable income off of that. Um, so, I mean, I love that you've, you've made that conscious choice um, to do that. Um, I'd love to know, um, like if, if we, the, the major pivot, do you think that you'll make in these next three, four, five years as you continue to build that database and, you know, it, and do, I mean, where do you see the role of your paid advertising? And then of course your sphere based focusing and the money that you're outlaying, like walk me through what you think that journey might look like for you. Yeah. So over the next few years, I see in terms of marketing budget, I see that uh, a lot more is going to get spent on past clients uh, or even leads that, you know, the address of the lead, you can still send them a, a card or a gift card at Christmas. Um, so I think a lot of the budget's going to start going towards that stuff to start driving more and more uh, referrals for sure. And then in terms of paid ads, I, I haven't actually run any paid lead ads since about March of 2020 because um, they were just getting too much to follow up with. Now, I, I do plan to add those back in. I'm going to be hiring an assistant this year, which is going to help take care of quite a few stuff, uh, quite a few things so that I can get back to doing some of that stuff that, that I need to do to grow the business. Um, but at the moment, we don't have any, any, any pay-per-click ads or any lead gen ads going. Um, and I love that you shared that because I mean, it's not hard to get lost in the people out there that are trying to say the traditional part of this business is dead and that it's all about modern agent, modern online, everything's social. And it's like, you can't go on YouTube as a realtor or on social, not get hit with some ad at you to say, you should stop all of this and come do all of to this, right? Come to the light with me. Right. Yeah. And uh, you're the young guy that learned Google ads ahead of a lot of people, learned their own Facebook ads, drove a po big portion of business that way. Of course, learn the follow-up and the, the, the length of time and the time required for it. You benefited from the results, right? So you know of that. But as you're growing through this business, despite more of this onslaught, digital, digital, um, you're opening up a, a bigger arm of traditional marketing, connection-based marketing. And I think a lot of agents need to hear that because I get, I get approached all the time about the next shiny penny 
and you know <laughs> there's so much being thrown around there. Now, I love the baseline usage of things like paid ads because it's nice to know leads are coming in and you just have to take action, not just chase it and take action. Um, yeah. But uh, I love that you're you're adjusting to that, and and it's and it's it, it's kind of contrary to a lot of like millennial based agents that would think that's how you grow today. Yeah, I think, but it, it kind of makes sense. Like uh, the more and more techy things get, then if you want to stand out, you're less techy. Right. Right. Like uh, for for things like uh, the sphere, I every every Monday in my early mornings, I take a look at who in my database or in my sphere past clients has either birthdays or home anniversaries coming up. And I get those cards written up and then send, send those cards every Monday to whoever has a birthday. And it usually has a little gift card in there or something like that. Um, but just a matter of just thinking about what would, what would surprise people these days or what are they not getting as much of these days, especially in our, our tech world. Totally. I mean, that's, that's the anti answer to stopping the scroll, right? Yeah. I mean, stopping the scroll is like a half second thing that your ad might catch them for a moment, but God knows that, uh, I mean, especially with changes in the pandemic and this focus on lifestyle and people, and uh, we're craving that connection. I don't think we need just another <laughs> alert pop up on my phone, right? Or just another yeah. ad. And, and don't base your whole business on it. Base some of it on it, right? Of course. Uh, yep. Love it. What do you wish you knew um, when you started the business that you know now? Anything come to mind? Um, in terms of things I wish I knew, I I don't know if there's a lot of, because I don't know if I'd really change many of the things I I did just because I feel like the, the type of person I am, if, if something's going to be difficult or, or go through it, I kind of have to learn the hard way. I'm not right. too, I'm not too good at uh, uh, sometimes taking advice and, and learning from other people's mistakes. A lot of times that has to, to come from me, but I think a, a big thing of what I wish I knew was kind of what we spoke about earlier in the mindset of how consumers see realtors. I think I would have benefited a lot at the beginning of understanding that people out there uh, do respect what, what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And just own it. I love it. Yeah. Own yeah. that earlier. Um, any, any resources that you've used along the journey, any books you can remember that you could, any tidbits there from a spe any specifics that just stick with you? Um, let's see resources i mean i don't know about books i listened to a lot of podcasts before i got uh before i got licensed and that's kind of what brought me to things like doing google ads and and brought me to to doing lots of follow-up because on any podcast you listen to you know real estate related that's kind of what all the top people do is just follow up <laughs> so um a lot of podcasts that i listen to um other resources like I, you need to make sure you have a crm doesn't really matter what you have just just use one um and then other things that that i think were really helpful to me and are still helpful to me are having some sort of routine about your days the the way our business goes is you can be thrown around 
uh, all over the place all day long from different things, different clients, different issues that you run into. Um, I think a big part of staying focused in this industry is having some sort of routine to it all. So for me, that's in the mornings. And, you know, when I wake up at 3 a.m. and I work for a couple hours or a few hours there, um, that's a big part of my routine in the morning. And that's the part of the day that I can control because uh, oftentimes the rest of the day you count, you know, whether things with family end up and end up doing or, or come up or things with clients or, you know, different things end up coming up. Uh, it's trickier to to control the rest of that day. So if you, whether it's the morning or in the evening or something, if you have some, some portion of the day where it's not negotiable and it's your routine and you do it every day, I think that really helps stay, stay focused and on track to where you're going. Keeping that discipline, is that because you've got this, I mean, do you have just it's insane willpower or do you, I mean, did you just get so clear on what you and your wife and the family want to do this for? I mean, because we have no bosses, right? You know, I could crack the whip at you, but you know, ultimately you're going to do what you want to do, right? I mean, all of us as independent contractors have that. So like what, what keeps you there, right? That, that mindset. I think it's, it's really a mindset of, I mean, at the beginning, uh, when I went through the four or five months, they're not closing any sales. It's scary, right? And, and at that point, we were we were not living on a savings account anymore. We were just living on a line of credit. Like it was, so I, it's scary. And I think I still have that mentality. Um, sometimes I wish I didn't, but I still have that mentality where, you know, I, I always kind of feel like I'm a month or two away from uh, being done. Like that's mm -hmm. just the, the way I feel about things is, you know, I, I always kind of have that anxiety that we're two months away from bankruptcy and that's that's been hard at, at times but it's definitely helped at times push yeah. through um so that's a that's been a big portion of it and it's you know when my wife and i have a a vision of what we want our lives to look like and at the end of the day that's going to require uh, some some good funds to get there so sure. um that's definitely a a motivating factor and then in terms of the the waking up early it, it was something that that started when I was getting my real estate license and I was working full-time 11 12 hour days and then we had, would have a little bit of family time but when I wanted to work on my real estate course I didn't really want to take away from family time and I didn't want to take away well I couldn't take away from work because that was just when you had to be at work uh, so the only real option was to wake up earlier and so I started waking up earlier before I was licensed and that's just kind of carried as it's it's been something that allows me to get a lot of work done uh, before the day even starts and that's that's credit to my wife because if if it wasn't for her I definitely wouldn't be waking up at three I think it's it's most mornings she hears my alarm and gets me out of bed it's not not vice versa so if it wasn't for her I wouldn't be doing that and it's yeah, it's also uh, been good that she's okay with waking up at 3 a.m. as well every day. <laughs> she'll get up and then have to go back to sleep. I mean, that, that the support is insane, right? The support, the power of support. And so many people will vision board, create that mm -hmm. big goal. I always, I bring it up every October for everybody. 
but um, they won't unpack it deep enough to create the understanding of what it's going to take to get there, right? Mm -hmm. Some people will get excited enough, but they don't unpack it enough so that they know the true actions and then bring in a support group to help with that, whether it be family, people, accountability partners, coaches, other than that. And that's where so many people fall flat. And I love that you've got that you know where you're going and you've unpacked it enough to say, honey, we're going to sacrifice on this. Or I'm personally, if you're, if you don't have a spouse, you're like, if I want to achieve that, if I want to get there, if I want to pay off that, if I want to buy that, it, there's some unpacking there and you've got to go deeper on yourself. Um, a trait of the top performers is that they wake up uneasy. If they're not feeling like a bit of a panic, it's probably because they've almost given up the idea of growth and have, have settled into a version of complacency. Right. And in today's world, how fast things move and how competitive, you know, our market is and, and, and everyone is, if you're treading water, you're likely falling behind. And uh, for a top performer, that doesn't sit well, right? You're, you're going to push, right? I mean, so I love that you shared that. Um, we're both, the end here, man. What's uh, any other closing closing thoughts? I mean, about our industry, about the pandemic, about how we're dealing with things as a whole. Anything that comes to mind as we wrap things up, and I let you get on to your powerful day. Oh, I don't know if I have too many more uh, more thoughts on this. I just just keep trucking on. I Awesome, man. This, I think that's what it is. I love it. And it doesn't need to be bigger than that. So Brad, yeah. your journey has been an inspiration, honestly, buddy. Again, I get an honor to talk to a lot of people. I've seen people grow fast. I've seen them grow and fall. I've seen them grow and then stagnate and not figure out a way to move on. And I've seen a lot of people just struggle to get anywhere. And it's uh, amazing, honestly, to hear your story, to see the disciplines, some of it's so simple, but some of, uh, uh, but just the consistency about it is uh, what dreams are made of, buddy. So thank you. And it's an honor to watch you do this. And thank you for being on here and sharing your thoughts with everybody listening. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And it, it really is the simple things that, uh, that keep it moving forward, really. At the end of the day, it's, it's the things that you keep hearing about. Yeah. Just do them, right? Yeah, just, just do, do them. them. Awesome, man. You go crush the day and, uh, that's it for us. So again, for everybody listening, thanks again for listening and having your attention for an hour. I hope you took a lot uh, away from this. This has been another re-education experience podcast with me, your host, Darren Langell. As always, if you've got anything that you want to ask about, please do. Or if there's a topic that you've been dying to hear about that I haven't covered yet, I'd love for you to reach out and you know how to get a hold of me in a whole bunch of ways. Have a great day, everybody.